a legend of one man who persuaded his friends to watch every Godzilla movie ever made. This world is on the brink of destruction. We need you now, Godzilla Evangelists! Godzilla Evangelists, a Geek Stew Network podcast. Produced and hosted by Ryan Sargent. Featuring Sam Schlenker and Joanna Brodecki. Hello and welcome to Godzilla Evangelists. I'm Ryan and I'm happy to have my pals Sam and Joanna here. Woo! Uh, we've got a lot to do and see today, so we're just going to start off with a rousing, uh, Gamera chorus. Do you have your hymn books at the ready? Absolutely. All right. Warmed up and ready to rock. This handshake gets me every time. Oh, yes. Let's cut and poke, my favorite line. (laughs) Let's cut and poke. Let's cut and poke. Uh, And we're not alone here today. Uh, we have, uh, our guest, Joanna's friend, Fiona Collinson. Hello, thank you. It is an honor to finally make it here. It's been a long time coming. Fiona was sitting at a table with multiple of our friends the other weekend and realized that even if they had not attended, I had invited No, okay. Joanna and I have been... Very, very dear friends for a decade now, and for the the last five years of that decade, she's been doing this podcast, and I've heard all about the podcast for years, but I didn't realize that there was a guest component, and then about two weeks ago, I'm sitting around a table with a bunch of our friends, and slowly but surely, the podcast comes up, and I realize every single person at the table had either been on the podcast or been invited on the podcast, <laughs> except me. <laughs> So I threw an absolute fit, and I said, if you don't have me on the podcast, friendship over. <laughs> and and to be fair, I just thought, you know, it wasn't going to be her vibe. And when we, um, one second, when we started watching the first movie, she goes, okay, wait, who's Godzilla again? Is that the monkey guy? So, you know, again, she had, and then she felt a little chipped that she didn't actually get a real Godzilla film. She still has yet to, you know... Embark on that. <laughs> I don't know. But, I feel like I feel like deeply connected to Gamera now, though, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's good. Yes, you've you've made a new friend. I have. When he bleeds, you bleed. I always ask this of every guest. Uh, what was your giant monster experience before this? Like basically nothing. Like I am a first time giant monster viewer. Like I don't know how I just skipped that whole genre, but. This really, I mean, I guess maybe I've seen like a, a King Kong movie, like maybe. But again, ago. you didn't even 
recognize. Yeah. Like does just Jurassic <laughs> does Jurassic Park count? Not quite, in my opinion. <laughs> we've we've defined kaiju, which is the Japanese word for monster, uh, as it has to be at least twenty feet long or tall, and it has to be supernatural in some way. Oh. So since dinosaurs are like real animals, they can't. Then quite count. then yeah, you can consider me a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You can put on your virginal vestments and yeah. join us in the Godzilla Evangelist Temple. Wow, yeah. lucky me. I still feel like a newbie, and again, five years. What? Well, <laughs> the, the reason fuck? we're on this show is because we had never seen any of these either. Yeah, so exactly. Basically, Fiona, right. we, we're, we, we, you were us five years ago. Yeah. Wow. Maybe in five years, <laughs> I will be where Joanna is at today. Jaded and still confused. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barely remembering anything that happened in any specific movie. Don't <laughs> ask me. Despite having yeah. seen like seventy-two of them, yeah. which is now we used to joke about that, but now that's probably closer than not. <laughs> As we've sort of implied, uh, today we're exploring the Gamera series. We're going to talk about two movies from Godzilla's cousin on the half shell, uh, 1969's <laughs> Gamera versus Giron. And 1995's Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Woo! Uh, so, Sam and Joanna, had you even heard of Gamera before this? Never. And as I was searching for it, while Fiona and I were trying to watch it, I kept putting in the wrong name because I just couldn't place it or remember it correctly <laughs> in my head. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea when I, uh, in our schedule, in our schedule doc, it said we're watching well, first off, two movies, which was already a red flag to me. I was like, oh, two this <laughs> yes. double yeah. work. Uh, and then and then second, I was like, a Gamera versus Giron is just like letter soup. Yes. <laughs> That's just nonsense. Um, and then, you know, searching on Amazon Prime for the movie, I'm one letter away, and it's like, do you mean Gamer with Ger- Gerard Butler? And I'm like, <laughs> no. That's what, yep, same. Um but uh, but now I not only know who Gamera is, but I am fond of him. Aww. <laughs> he is a lovable little scamp. Uh, well, I don't know as much about him as I do Godzilla, but then again, it's not as much behind him. Uh, basically, 1964 was a blockbuster year for Toho monster movies. You had Mothra vs. Godzilla, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster... Dogura, the space monster. It was money all over. So just about every studio in Japan was like, well, I I guess we have to do this too. Uh, So in 1965-66, they were all coming out. We had Nikatsu putting out Gappa, the Trifibian monster. Shachiku had Gilala, the X from outer space. And... (laughs) Dei, or Dae, rather, had the most successful and derivative of them all, Gamera the Invincible. Yay. Uh, yes. Wait, so that that was the first one, or this one? The one we watched was the first one. No, we didn't watch the very first Gamera. Okay. Oh. okay cool. I didn't know if they were just like, if the plot point was just like, he is the saver of children, and we were just like, yes, we're accepting it, and we're moving along, but this makes more sense. I kind of loved it. I loved that they were like, listen, he's the saver of children, shut up, nothing more about it, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, I just wanted to jump us in 
to like the purest gamma experience because they followed a, a almost comically ripoff of Godzilla trajectory. So the first one, even though it was 1965 in Japan and color stock was cheap, they still filmed it in black and white and it was like a, a more serious movie where he was the villain. And then in the next one, it was on color and he fought another monster that hatched from a mysterious egg found on an island and Gamera made a hero turn. So they were really biting the Godzilla cake. Uh, but finally, he found his niche. Uh, he became the friend to all children, battling monster after monster in his traditional cartoony fashion. Uh, and Gamera versus Giron was sort of like the midpoint of the series, like uh, one of the more popular ones. Got uh, it. And so, you know, these movies weren't getting good reviews, they weren't original. But because they were so cheap and, like, so perfect for the children of 1960s Japan, they made tons of money and actually forced Godzilla to copy some of the hallmarks of the series. So, like, the reason we started seeing all the little kid characters showing up in Godzilla was because of Gamera. The reason we started seeing, like, gore, like Godzilla bleeding, was because of Gamera. Uh, it was they were just chasing that, that high that was yeah. bringing in the little boy crowd. Wow. Well, any friend of children is a friend of mine, you know. So. <laughs> and Gamera, so he's like kind of he kind of was like a trendsetter. It sounds like. Yeah, he he was uh, Godzilla's little cousin, but he sort of like forced Godzilla to, to play catch up with him at the box office. Wow. Wow, you go Gamera. <laughs> I love you. an I love an underdog story. <laughs> <laughs> he was he's like you could say he's like the Kobe Bryant of Kaiju where it's like he's just trying to imitate Michael Jordan or Godzilla right. and then suddenly he became his own thing and everyone was wants to imitate him and he's not going to tell anyone that he's just doing an impression. He has his own personality. Exactly. And just to briefly touch on the origins of the other movie, uh, Daya ended up going bankrupt, which cut the original Gamera series short. Not Gamera's fault. They, they were losing money on other stuff. <laughs> uh, but in the 90s, the, the company made a revival, and the director, Shishuke Kaniko, pitched them with the idea of bringing Gamera back. So they did a, a trilogy of 90s movies that ended up being pretty well regarded. Uh, unfortunately, they seem to have uh, an ongoing problem with money, so they went bankrupt again. <laughs> and so, everybody's been begging for Gamera versus Godzilla, but his his rights are lost in the ether. Okay, so there haven't been any Gamera movies. Now that for I would watch the reason. whole the whole time, <laughs> I also kept starting to search by searching Gamera versus Godzilla, and then I'd be like, no, that's not a thing. That's not what we're watching. But I just was convinced that that was like the second movie we'd be watching. <laughs> um, but also then in, that becomes problematic because then like who's the bad guy you know then I think right. Godzilla has to be the bad can I ask a dumb question mm -hmm. is Godzilla not a bad guy it's not a dumb question sometimes he's a bad guy oh really <laughs> sometimes he's not I'm confused every movie I never come away with a clear answer <laughs> so right. and it switches part way through yeah he's got like a Severus Snape thing going on yeah uh, <laughs> See, I don't like I don't like when people run hot and cold, so I don't know that Godzilla right. and I are gonna get along. <laughs> you prefer the dedicated loyalty and heroism of Gamera. Yes, yeah. I feel a kinship okay. with Gamera and I feel that I will never stray. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, well, shall we dive into this double feature with the synopsis of Gamera versus Gira? Yes, let's yes. freaking go. go sound effects at the ready i was thinking about the teletubby music that's in the background of this whole movie <laughs> this, this movie <laughs> get it has right. such pbs vibes it's unbelievable yes i love it it's too much blood for pbs guys uh, it was a brief time in the early 70s pbs run <laughs> when there were no rules the wild west of pbs all right while looking through their telescope Young boys Akio and Tom spot a flying saucer landing in the woods nearby. <gasps> the next morning, they go to check it out with Akio's little sister Tomoko, encountering goofy police officer Kondo on the way. If you're naughty again, I'll shave your heads! <laughs> Thank you. The boys enter the ship, and it takes off soon after, leaving Tomoko behind. She tries to convince her mother and other adults that the boys are in trouble, but finds only sympathy from Kondo. Aww. Meanwhile, Akio and Tom enter an asteroid belt, <laughs> and the ship is only saved by the arrival of Gamera. Whoa, whoa, watch out. He protects the boys and seemingly tries to warn them of some danger, but the ship picks up speed and leaves Gamera behind. Akio and Tom land on a desolate planet in the middle of an alien city. There, they discover ancient or uh, advanced technologies, rather, and an underground chamber containing knife-headed monster Giron. Giron fights off an invading space Gaius before returning to its lair. Ha ha ha! <laughs> he does have the laugh. Yeah, he has a creepy fucking laugh. <laughs> Uh, the boys continue to explore the city and, um, and soon encounter alien women Barbella and Florbella. <laughs> <laughs> they claim that their civilization has almost been destroyed by invading space monsters, and they are the only survivors that simply wish to learn from the boys. However, the women actually want to eat their brains to claim their knowledge. <gasps> Raw. Eat them raw. <laughs> Gamera finally arrives to save Tom and Akio, and the alien women send Giron to fight him. The monsters seem evenly matched at first, but Gamera eventually passes out at the bottom of a lake. Tom uses the distraction to free Akio from imprisonment, but accidentally releases Giron as well. Out of control, the knife-headed beast attacks its mistresses and slices their UFO in half as they try to flee her. That was a great shot. <laughs> Shing! Uh, Giron then turns its attention to the boys, but Gamera awakens when he hears their cries of fear. Gamera sub subdues Giron, and then Tom and Akio use missile launchers to help him kill Giron <laughs> and the surviving Florbella. Gamera welds the UFO back together with his fiery breath and then flies the back boys back home 
to a cheering crowd of onlookers. Camera! Camera! So, Joanna, do you want to start, since I know you were enchanted with these two small boys? Yes. I mean, and also, I have to point out that I don't know if I've ever seen a cuter child in pigtails than um, their little (laughs) sister. So, I just wanted to highlight her as well. Also, wow, I'm just pulling up 4.2 on IMDb. That's that's a real... I mean, my my first, I did take notes because, you know, I didn't want to let Joanna down. Um, My very Mm -hmm. first note is, love the kids. Very cute. So. Yeah, exactly. From the get-go, I was won over. And and what's their, it's Akio and Tom, and then who's, what's their sister's name? Tomoko. Tomoko, okay. Um, yeah, well, first of all, why does Tom look like a young little Paul Mescal for any normal people fans out there? The whole freaking time, it was just Paul Mescal as a child acting. Um, I love, you know, they have some great lines, and I love that the boys are just really not that spooked by anything the whole time. Nope. Like, maybe a little, but they they range a solid four to six on an emotional level the whole entire time. Uh, and so, you know, that was... I. Thought, um, you know, that was their take on the characters, and I appreciated that they came at them with an opinion that they were these smart little boys. Akio knew a shit ton about space. How did he learn about M fifty speed or whatever he was calling it? Uh, Mach thirty three. I think he's in. like what? How old is he? Seven? <laughs> well, what I just, is going on? Here? And they didn't question any of these things. They were like. A spaceship has landed, of course, naturally. Right. <laughs> They're now like, we'll oh no. It and effortlessly know how to operate this large piece of machinery. Like, how old are they supposed to be? Like, seven? Like, I don't think I could, I could like, barely tie my shoelaces, but they know how to operate <laughs> spaceships? I mean, very impressive. Well, these spaceships are very user-friendly. Yeah, they, they knew, too. They were like, oh, oh, but we can breathe on this spaceship. So cool. Like, gravity, like, they knew, you know, they knew kind of enough to really... Maybe that's why they weren't scared, because they have their knowledge from their first-grade science book to keep it them going. It felt effortless right like they belonged there i i noted that that they were so unimpressed by everything except two things they were scared when Giron was like two feet away from their face right right that was and, a great shot and they were scared when they stepped on a moving walkway <laughs> yes they were oh my god the moving walkway they were like <laughs> like nothing else phased them they were like they're gonna eat our brains as carpaccio or as beef whatever like beef carpaccio but like the moving walkway was the who, stunning who moment. hopped on it first who was the one that Tom, got like, he I'm, was like help Akio. help Akio, i'm scared yeah. <laughs> this little walkway was moving like and Akio was like jump off now. But then them <laughs> holding hands as they were going down it was so freaking cute. And um, I think Fiona and I, for a big hit, was also their outfits. Oh, my gosh. They were looking incredible. I mean, I have a note that, like, yes, it's true that, you know, we always talk about how people used to dress better, you know, back in the day. But I impeccable outfits from both of the boys. I mean, I have a note, say, that says... Um, uh, I feel like I'm watching the Zara Spring Collection. Like, it was just beautiful little outfits. I mean, a fur-trimmed bomber jacket? Are you kidding me? I was Adorable. ready to see Tom... Yeah, to see Tom Cruise sporting that in the next Top Gun. It felt like the perfect outfit for him. Um, and then one other call-out I just want to highlight from the sister is when they're getting on the ship and they're... I don't know what the boys were saying, but the sister goes... You think they'll understand Japanese? You're the dumb ones. I just thought that was a great little 
remark, you know, call out uh, at her older brothers making fun of her. <laughs> I know. I I felt so bad for her. Like everyone was saying, like you're dumb, you lie all the time, like not giving her the time of day. She did not give up though. You know, like yeah. she was she was a true heroine as well because she was really trying to get the message out. Oh, and also, mother will be so mad you flew off in a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> Flying away. <laughs> Speaking of great outfits, what did you think of Barbella and Florbella? A plus. I mean, I'm going as them for Halloween. Yeah. If I could, I would. Yeah, definitely Halloween 2023 lookout. That'll be Joanna and I. You know, on the subject of uh, of Halloween costumes and specifically ones that are now very dated pop culture references, the moment Giron showed up, I just immediately thought of Left Shark. This is the most left shark vibes I've ever seen. Yeah. He was total early days left shark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's mainly knife, but a little bit of shark in there for sure. Okay. What what did you guys think of the children though? You know, what were some of your what were some of your kiddo highlights? Since for me this is my first time watching any of these movies, to me this is all brand new, you know, like I am seeing this <laughs> for the first time. So to me it is truly a unique experience, unlike for the rest of you. <laughs> oh no! This, to be fair, to be fair, I don't think we've seen anything quite like this first Gameron that we watched. Yeah. I think Gamera, yeah. This was like this was different. Yeah, this mm. was its own thing. I I think of this one, Gamera versus Giron, as like what people probably think of in their heads when I say I'm watching a Japanese monster movie from the '60s. Like they see like this kind of stuff in their head <laughs> i could be wrong but it just has that pure like goofy essence like yeah it doesn't hold back in the least bit and i i like it for that uh and the boys even i mean they're obviously terrible actors but i love their like naivete at least they're not like clearly like pretending like it's just them they're just in this movie and it's very funny for that. Everything is just their off-the-cuff reaction. I would, I would argue, you know, maybe the boys knew what kind of movie they were in, and they knew that that vibe would just suit the comedy well. <laughs> they uh, had a connection. No way, there's no way Tom was <laughs> was thinking that far ahead. I mean, that that kid was a wooden board of an actor, and I, and it's harsh to say that about like a six year old, but like he was. He had no future in this. I'm, that's the harshest <laughs> I've ever seen. He was, he was not very good, though. He also got worse, weirdly, once he gave his hat away. Like, I feel like he was, like, really <laughs> yeah. relying on the, the, the cute little, like, cap to, like, mm-hmm. m- make him, to give him that star quality. And then the second they switched and he gave his hat away, I was like, oh. Also, the poor little boy who got shaved. I mean, they must have really shaved his head. I'm also, I'm just realizing now the connection between that little foreshadowing of that uh, precious little neighborhood mm-hmm. police officer, I guess, being like, I'll yeah. shave your heads. Oh. Well, that, was, that, was, that was the setup. Wow. <laughs> and that's that. how you write movies, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they must have had to get that shaving all in one, you know, they only had one shot at that. They had to get it right. Right. This was like E.T. They shot it in sequence for the benefit of the children. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And yeah, even at the end, Officer Kondo is like, ah, you've shaved your head in penance, I see. Which was very funny. Yeah, I love that guy. Yeah, we we joke about that being quintessential screenwriting, but like, 
it did it's not it's not a great movie but it did like it avoided some obvious traps that i feel like other movies would have fallen into the one being that nothing ever pays off and it's just a bunch of stuff where at least this like it somewhat set the, its own rules of like what it was and the and the shaving the head thing was one of them the the uh little suction dart gun like <laughs> whooshing that guy's shirt away uh at the beginning oh so fun that was hysterical that was like when i realized that this movie was for me um <laughs> but he uh but like but also like how many movies now if this was if this was most like even children's sci-fi movies now like how much how bogged down will we have gotten into like actually why they can breathe in the ship and why like the mechanics of how we're it's like who cares like just have the kids just be confident and say it and they they get it because they're imaginative little kids like it it was so like buoyant they just we just we just got there and it was it was all fun and it was no like frankly i think even the godzilla movies may have gotten a little more bogged down in some of that stuff like this just just moved well and i think i mean what we're like even when we were watching clifford a few months ago like that's a kids movie it's bogged down by so much shit going on and it's nice yeah. to have a kids movie that's just like 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 teletubby music and yeah. simple 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 it it knows to like like the stuff that this is something i've been feeling for a while but it's like the stuff that as a kid is exciting to see is stuff like people threatening to eat your brains and like shaving your head, if you're a kid, the concept of someone shaving your head is like the scariest thought. Um, it is. Like you know, when my brother got uh, got gum stuck in his head because his, his hair because I put it there, um, like he he like had to get his head shaved, and he was like a little blonde kid with like a quarter inch long buzz cut, and like it was the most traumatizing thing for him like ever. And I was like, yeah, no, this is. Like, if I were a child watching this, I would be like, this is scary. And also all the blood. The blood was great. Like, it yeah. was, it was like, it just, it just, it just knew it. It just knew what, what are like exciting things to see. Like what you want to see, what'll entertain you. It, it just, it seemed like very in tune with what, even if it wasn't how to make a great movie, with like, what are just things that are entertaining to have happen. And and they know that like donuts are comforting. I like, was just about to say the thrill of him being like, "I want my mother's donuts," and then her being like, "Here, your mother's donuts." Like yeah. it reminded me of like in Spy Kids. Like I, as a child, had like a fascination with how they like put those packets in that like microwave esque machine, and yeah. then like McDonald's would appear. And I always was like, "How do I get one of those machines?" So so side that note, was the vibe that's I got. what I was thinking of when I said like it just knows what entertains kids. Yeah. Like yeah. I was picturing Spy Kids in my head. I was like, that's we just a movie that, that gets it. I love. It totally... Oh my god, so good. There are kaiju in the second one. We can yeah. watch the second. There one. There are. Yes. Uh, I went to those midnight <laughs> premieres. Yeah, and all it was very like you know like a futuristic take on Hansel and Gretel and throwing a big turtle monster. It's kind mm-hmm. of what's going on. Yes. Yes. Yeah, honestly, yeah, Hansel and Gretel, perfect comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, and going back to the, the witch slash aliens, this is legitimately embarrassing to admit. But you know that introduction where they're like in the dark and you see the glowing eyes and there's like the yeah, the yeah. 
I saw this movie when I was like nine or ten years old. It was scary, wasn't it? And yeah, I, I was at that age, I was scared of that. I was like, okay, I feel uncomfortable. Like, not even for that scene. Like, after the movie ended and I went to bed, <laughs> I was like bothered by that scene. I was such a baby. <laughs> no, that what you they were doing crafty kid filmmaking. <laughs> they were manipulating you. Yeah. I think the best part about them was. About 90% of the time when they would transport themselves, when they would land, they had that great little pose with their leg popped <laughs> and their hand on their thigh. Uh, I had the alien women also being eugenicists was like a nice subtext. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's why there's no more of them. It wasn't the space monsters. They've all just been killing each other for being imperfect. Oh, yeah. Oh. That was crazy. <laughs> I kind of missed that, to be honest. Yeah. Well, remember when she goes, we kill our members that aren't perfect, or we... Oh, when you uh, mean when useless. one of them is, like, dying, and she goes, says, we kill useless members? Sh- yeah. Useless. Yeah. That's a really strong word. Dude, this movie rocks, man. Yeah. <laughs> the best movie. So good. I also do want to call out Akio when he passed out from the milk, which, again, how, like, how precious and simple. He's just drinking a lot of drugged up milk just chugging the drink. I mean, honestly milk. if I chugged a glass his, of cow's milk I too would pass out so <laughs> his his passing out was so good I thought he really nailed it I was yeah. like good for you and the way he had to when they when she froze him and you could see he was like trying so hard to stay still but you could see like his eyebrow quivering <laughs> bless his heart you know he practiced that one like multiple times at home with his mom uh i want to talk about the monsters because oh, they're course. so charismatic so gamera of course like every everything he does in this movie makes me laugh like even when it's not specifically funny like at the near the beginning when he was just like right up in the window of the ufo just screaming like i just started laughing for some reason there's just something inherently <laughs> joyful about he's goofy he's a giant turtle he's with big ass tusks <laughs> i mean yeah yeah name a more like comedic sight than a giant paper mache turtle <laughs> propelled by gas blasting through the universe <laughs> The the jet engine legs is the like the engine. funniest. I I love that. It it's such. It feels like a non sequitur. Like it feels like that's just so not a giant monster thing that he's like part spaceship. And I fucking love it. I, yeah. The moment he showed up again, it, how quickly I was like, oh, this is the movie I've been waiting for. Like that that it was like within fifteen minutes of the movie. I was like, this is it. This is the one. I, I can feel it, and it never let up. It was just it kept surprising. Yeah, I think too the little shell, like something shell. about that, is so comedic to have to get into his little propelling blast. I don't know. It's all so good, and also just the fact that like a turtle, like its shape is like probably the least aerodynamic shape, right? It's oh, like a, totally. a circle with then like the little arms and legs sort of like <laughs> flailing off. So watching that propelled, I mean, it's just, it defies all logic, which is what makes it so good. Yeah. And I like how he has two modes. He has a Superman mode where only, he pulls in only his legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then he has like the UFO mode where he like twirls around. and he's Oh all... God, love that. And I feel like, like he's not cute in any way. And I feel like with the other Godzilla Kid movies, again, even if we may find miniature terrifying you know we know young ryan at least found him to her to be adorable but Mm -hmm. um like he's not cute but again they just say 
oh, he's protector of children. And you're like, I get it. Like, he is scary looking, but we're not going to be scared by him because that's just not his vibe. But I mean, some of the specific things he did really, really had me delighted. Like when his cheeks got cut and he put the snow on it. It was adorable. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> was so cute. That was a highlight for sure. Uh, when he was deflecting the shuriken with the stalactite, like a, oh like a ninja God. sword. Oh, my God, the shuriken, what, what was, like, just, just mecha- like, like, physically, them just launching, like, being just sort of beside his face and launching in any direction is so funny. Like, it, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't, oh, man. It's delightful. And my final favorite gamer thing was, of course, when he did the gymnastics routine. Oh my Absolutely. god, the gymnastics. Oh Talk about surprise and delight. I mean, I was I was brought to my knees. Like, that was incredible. That is, too, when the movie jumped up to a next level of like, okay, they yeah. know what they're doing. Because he's spinning, he's spinning, and you're like, okay. Oh, it's funny, it's gymnastic. And then he keeps going, and you're like, oh, it's really okay. And then he lands it and nods. And you're like, wow, okay. No. That was also where I feel like the movie, yeah, they got, it got self-aware. It's like, we know what we're doing here. Like, we know <laughs> that there is something inherently amazing and funny about a giant turtle doing a gymnastics routine and then sticking the landing. Well, and that too, I think there was a moment where I turned to Fiona. I was like, okay, Fiona, yes, no. Like, you know, agent calls up. Like, these are the parts we get to play for our first major role. Do we do it? The <laughs> Barbella and Bar- Florbella. And we're like, absolutely. I mean, is that, is that even a question? Yes. We get in those spacesuits. We put our little things on our necks to speak Japanese and we blast off to set. <laughs> I have one other thing I'd like to say about camera um that that i enjoyed is that like the scale was so off so like in each scene he either appeared to be like the size of like a cruise ship and then in other scenes he appeared to be like the size of a thimble like it was so inconsistent i was like wait how big i can't get a judge of how big he is because it was it was very confusing for me that's my one critique that's the one that's the one. Okay. <laughs> Everything else was perfect. I wouldn't change a thing. Uh, well, let's... Uh, Sam mentioned this already, but let's talk about Gearon, too. Oh, uh, my God. That was the... I, that... Okay. I'm just going to say it. That first fight scene between the Geos and Gearon was, like... Like, had me, like, rolling on the floor with laughter. Like... <laughs> and, and not even in, like, necessi- Not in, like, a I'm making fun of it way, although... Oh my god! It was it was like uh, like the Black Knight fight from Monty Python, like just <laughs> limbs just kind of flopping off, and I mean it was it, it, heads ugh. rolling. Oh my god! The the head just whoop just just like like taken off. It was it was the best. I like that's. I'm not gonna say it's one of the best monster fights we've seen in terms of uh, execution. But it is my favorite monster fight we've seen in terms well, of how I, edge of my seat I was the whole time. I think it's about sticking the landing, too. When he is chopping him up into little tuna steaks, little like, purple tuna <laughs> steaks, I love that. and yeah. going, ha, 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 ha. Yep. Like, it's terrifying. And there was the, something I, so... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. I should say there's something so satisfying about the ease with which she was chopping him up. You know, it was like a warm knife through butter. <laughs> I also, too, Sam, having watched two James Bond movies now in my mm-hmm. storied past, 
the water flowing backwards and the underground layer opening up, I thought was very satisfying and cool. What did you think about that? It felt James Bond-esque to me of what I know limited of the series. Well, what's crazy is it's actually, there. there's almost literally that in a different James Bond movie. Uh, like there's one where like the, where it's like the lair is in a, like in like a kind of like a shell like ceiling that opens up or like a hidden floor underneath water in a, in a volcano. So like you literally get a one that's almost exactly like that. But I mean, just, just the water flowing backwards thing, like again is silly. I can't, I can't tell you why that we needed that, but I'm, but I'm just here for it. Cause it was just like another thing where I'm just like, what? Like, it, I mean, yeah, it's, it's all, it's just constantly more things that, that are just like charmingly, kind of inventive but also totally bizarre and and unexplainable but they fit the world like similar to how they had like teleporters fucking everywhere like you could just (laughs) hop on in those every five feet oh yeah you do only to travel a few meters i mean they were covering great distances it was like why walk to the kitchen when i can teleport there (laughs) well and and if you have an even shorter distance than that you can just take the moving floor <laughs> That's uh, right. That is a very lazy, lazy group of aliens, right. I would say. Very satiated. Well, you, yeah, you but really it, tire yourself out killing all of your fellow aliens, and you just, you just <laughs> right. I mean, what are you going to do except but it, but teleport it, yourself? But it pays off so well in the end, too, when they're like chasing little boys, and then suddenly the little boys are only two feet away from Giron. Like, it all pays off having those, it, like, little games to play with it the bit where they teleport and then try to like break the teleporter so that the aliens can't get them and they're like we just went around the whole way like full circle and now we're here again that that i again i'm not even entirely sure someone will have to explain that to me but i also was charmed by it yeah i agree Um, and again those boys fucking smart. They didn't have any questions about how to use the teleporter. They just no. arrived and they were pressing the buttons and using it. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it was very user it friendly. It was sort of like, yeah. you know, like, you know, like an iPhone situation. It's supposed whole, to be intuitive. The whole set felt like a Dave and Buster's kind of, which I really loved. Like the <laughs> Well, it was basically like big green button, big red mm-hmm. button, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I also I like this. how they tried to trap the alien women by breaking off the controls and smashing them with rocks that's what i was referring to it didn't work (laughs) Uh, didn't work when when we first arrived on the planet uh, i watched this with mac uh who also loved it and Mm -hmm. she uh and she just goes this whole planet is like a mcdonald's play place and i was like you're (laughs) right (laughs) yeah we we watched it with charlotte charlotte came over too and she's like wow she's like i might just have to stick it out for the second one see where this universe blasts (laughs) out Uh, um, to briefly jump back to the Gaios Giron fight, yeah, uh, that was actually considered too gruesome when they put it on American TV. That in that fight, it only had his leg getting cut off, and then they let him fly away. So, what? <laughs> That's a fucking I know. Rip-off. Even though he's like only full of purple pudding, it's not. Right. It's not very gory at all, except on like a surface level. Yeah, they cut out. The wing chop, the head chop, all that. So they didn't get this. American kids didn't get the sea space guys get turned into purple sashimi. Well, and he's way less. Amer- you go. That's why our American kids are so they're so messed up. Messed yeah, up. Exactly. <laughs> and he's way less spooky without his little laugh. Yeah. Um, I think too, just in general. Again, going back to the them just like keeping it simple for this movie. 
Just like a mm-hmm. job. Like, have, have we seen him before? Was this the first time we were introduced to Giron? Yeah, this is the only Giron movie. Just a, a shark-headed thing is terrifying. As a kid, sharks are scary. Okay, put a little shark head, give him a little half knifey knife, <laughs> have him karate chop shit. It's very simple and effective. <laughs> yep. He's, uh, he's intimidating. Uh, despite his how sleepy he looks with the half-lidded eye. <laughs> oh my god, I was gonna say, did he like eat a brownie before? Like he did <laughs> sort of look like he was he was about to doze off the whole movie. <laughs> like I could only be so scared because I think he was a narcoleptic shark boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he was always going back in that chamber. To, yeah, to he's like, I gotta dig a mm-hmm. nap between fights. <laughs> Um, yeah, two, two things I loved with Giron is, again, not on the surface funny, but very funny to me when he first attacked Gamera and there was like the repetitive thing where he would chop down on the shell and Gamera's neck would shoot out and then it would come back and clung, clung, it was great. Yeah, I wait. They were and they were underwater too, for a bit too for their fight, right? They were. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I thought I loved the underwater parts. Yeah. I well, that was that another was part that cool. I was like, kids, kids love underwater stuff. You know, like the thrill of seeing them fight underwater. Oh, so good. Like whatever movie I was pitching to Mac for my Godzilla James Bond Ben Stiller directed project, like a lot mm. of I was seeing a lot of that in this movie, and I was excited about it. <laughs> I, I wish I had come up with anything as good as this for my, <laughs> for my pitch. And then the last also, bit is his death, which is very oh funny. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Exploding inside his, his little shuriken crevice and blowing into bits. No, but how about that weird bit too where they're kind of connected and flying? It had a little sexual, I don't know, it was, it was odd looking for yeah, sure. And it just it kept going. It was like going. Woody and Buzz flying in Toy Story. Yeah. For a moment. <laughs> oh, it's the best. I, I don't even have anything more to say about it specifically, except I just keep remembering these things and having a big smile on my face. <laughs> That was kind of me too when I was writing these notes. I'm like, what, what structure am I going to have for this? Because all I could just say is like, that was great, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> and the little boys in the background cheering along the whole time was some great added uh, elements as well. I feel like um, usually, you know, like in the second movie, they're watching everything and they're really nervous and scared. But it was fun to just have these little boys like they were eating popcorn, watching a movie, <laughs> cheering along the whole time. And I'm glad they got to help Gamera. They helped him out with that missile. So, you know. Because they're smart little boys. And then the second alien, Barbrella was the second one, right? Mm-hmm. I just, she had a very graceful death. Whatever, she, whatever, again, her. Oh, or she just she went... like, she looked like a ballerina. Yeah, she so gracefully fell down and died. And But I, I like that it. when she had died, so she kept her leg in sort of like a knee pop position. It was like yes. she wanted to like be dead in a fl- at a flattering angle, you know? <laughs> so her knee was sort of like poised, which I enjoyed. Very, very <laughs> I was like, nice. the vanity of actors spans yes. decades. <laughs> you did just remind me, I love how when Giron slices the goddamn UFO in half, what we see in the close-up is like a minor debris tumble. 
<laughs> it's not like they're getting sucked out and like falling through the air uh, or like even like they're not even sliced it's not like there's like sparks everywhere like a stack of boxes falls over on floor bell <laughs> after yeah, gets cut in actually i wanted to ask because you guys usually have much more knowledge and basis for this than me how did you two feel overall about the effects and the usage of, you know, real special effects in this film? Well, they're not convincing in the way where you believe that they're real, but but I'm I don't know. I mean, and and they feel even cheaper than than the Godzilla movies that are already fairly cheap. That was my my takeaway. But I, like that, I mean, it's so hard to find a way to put this. They're they're not convincing in the way that I believe that they're real, but they are weirdly kind of imaginative and sort of like just inherently entertaining. Like they're just like inherently, I'm like I'm so delighted by that thing happening the way it did that I'm I can't be mad about it either. Nor do, does it need to be realistic. So no, if I were just like, is this winning an Oscar for best visual effects in 1969? I would <laughs> probably say it's not getting nominated. <laughs> But, uh, but, but I was so like, I just kept, I was like on the edge of my seat, just waiting for some new kind of like crazy thing to happen that would just entertain me. And it kept doing it. Yeah. It seemed like it'd be a fun team to be a part of. Oh, yeah. And the green screen, the green screen moments were just always so good or whatever. The I, I was impressed. I mean, maybe I don't know what kind of stuff they were up to in the sixties, but I thought <laughs> that this was pretty, pretty solid. I mean, I'm like, I couldn't do better. You know, <laughs> the yeah. art department did a beautiful job. <laughs> I agree. I mean, yeah, it's I've talked many times before about how people have a hard time understanding that the special effects for these Japanese movies were not always going for realistic. They would keep something in if they thought it was interesting or beautiful or funny. And, you know, obviously, to a large extent, that wasn't their choice because these were made on extremely cheap budgets, like shoestrings. But, it, you know, it doesn't really matter for this type of movie. <laughs> so the fact that it is, as Sam said, just so interesting and weird and, like, tonally consistent, it, you know, it, it completely works in the world that it creates. And yeah, the guy who directed almost all these movies and helped conceive Gamera, Noriaki Yuasa, was apparently like a very sweet man who just wanted to make movies that kids would love. And uh, oh I, I, wow. I love his quote when people asked him who would win in a fight in Godzilla versus Gamera. He would always say, well, Godzilla is Gamera's sensei, so they would never fight. It's not possible. Right. But if they did, Gamera would win. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I mean, yeah, also, again, just to give a shout out, because we've touched on him a bit, but Officer Khan, what a great kooky character. I was actually, I was like, Fiona, actually, this is the part that I would want to play if I was in the movie. (laughs) The glasses, I mean, again, very similar to the toy maker neighbor, because it seems like little little boys with cute little sock outfits always need to have a kooky neighborhood pal (laughs) adult around. (laughs) Um, But also just how he 
even when the moms were like, don't listen to the little girl. And he kept being like, okay, I hear you. We'll go to the, it was so cute. Like Fiona, it reminded me, our friend is a, is a um, preschool teacher and has mm-hmm. like done a lot of studies on, you know, kind of working with kids and the best way to, to help them in growing up. And it just was very precious to see and kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> and he was so kooky. Did they There's, look like this is some? Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say like this is something too on the subject of that neighbor character and all of the human characters in this movie is they're not they're not deep. But if I'm comparing them to a lot of the characters in a lot of the Godzilla movies, they they are. I feel like they're a step more fleshed out in that there's there's like even with him, I feel like I'm he's he's a guy who kind of like is threatening these kids and he's kind of a grumpy neighbor, but he's also, you can tell he cares about them and he acts on it and he acts on it in ways where I go, oh, interesting. Like he's, he's acting on it in a non-obvious way beyond like, I'm the neighbor and I'm going to help you because I am, I care about you secretly. Like he's, there's, there, there are a few layers where I'm watching non-deep characters still behave like people. Which is is a distinction I want to make, but I felt that with the moms as well. Tom's yeah. mom was there was a darkness there. I, I can't oh, quite get into. Oh, she's scary. Can we talk about the thirty lashings? Oh, certainly that. Yeah. Thirty? I mean, for God's sakes, the poor little boy will have no behind left by the end of that. Also. There was, am I crazy? Did anyone else catch this? I swear to God, the little pigtailed amazing sister towards the end of the film turned to, or maybe it was Akio who said it. Someone said to him, there are space people like you too. And they had a little look and I was like, is he an alien? Oh yeah, there was, there was, yeah, there was a nod to the policeman being an alien for sure and i would also believe that aliens and kids would have a would have a better connection understanding that adults might not catch on to i i love this theory now we do have to yeah we have to to go on to the judgments here wait can i say one more final quick line all right last thing i loved the thesis of the film oh and i loved that akio so proudly like basically turned to camera and said, we shouldn't long for other planets, but make Earth a place free of wars and traffic, traffic accidents. accidents. I just love that. And then camera fucking just whizzed away into space. <laughs> I thought it was an amazing ending. So, I, so I long for a world where traffic accidents are like the yeah. number two concern. There's a little truth to that, though. Not to get full history lesson, but but basically in the 60s, uh, the way cars were made, uh, car crashes were the bad. Like you, that was like a really good way to die. And and car manufacturers really until probably the early 70s weren't were almost deliberately not making their cars safer. So so it's wow. that's just a yeah. Sam, see, this is why I do the pod. I learn these little tidbits. This is why we listen. <laughs> and on top of that, this is even darker. But the reason why all the little kids in these movies wear these brightly colored caps is in Japan, there was a huge problem in the 60s because all the little kids had to walk home from work, uh, from school by themselves. <laughs> that was a problem. And so... Getting hit by cars? Yeah. So 
they came up with this program to put the brightly colored caps on the little kids so they would be more visible. So Whoa. he's, oh he's like legitimately concerned for his life. This okay, so kid. traffic this... accidents were like, a, yeah, a real reason for them to be wow. scared. Here I was thinking yeah. it was a funny line. This just took a way darker turn, but even more props to him for standing up for this, the safety of vehicles oh. and children. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and we shouldn't long for other planets as as space, you know, as moon landings and all that is taking off. I just I loved it. Good. You hear that, here. Elon? Yeah, you hear that, Elon? <laughs> we got everything we need right here. Mom's donuts on Earth are good enough. <laughs> Elon, or should I say, secretly Florbella? Yeah, <laughs> I believe he eats children's brains. Um, all right, so the judgments. Uh, as Godzilla evangelists, it is our holy duty to assign each movie its proper place in heaven, hell, or purgatory. Heaven being the best, hell being the worst, purgatory being in the middle. Uh, I'll kick this off this time. I feel like it's been a while since I went first. Uh, obviously, from the perspective of a jaded adult uh, who doesn't have that much imagination, this movie would be V-bad. But fortunately, that's not who I am. <laughs> that's not what this movie's about. Uh, it is... A, it's lovely. I, it, it somehow is still like a little too long for me, but not by much. It, it's full of pretty fun stuff. And uh, it's just a goofy joy to watch. So I feel like I gotta put it in, in Gamera Heaven. Yeah, I, I can follow that up. Yeah, I feel like I agree. It was like very slow. Like nothing really happened, but everything happened. And Fiona and I were like, is this how movies just were back then? Because of the tech, like very slowly plodding along. But obviously I enjoyed it. I would definitely, you know, I feel like I will definitely show this to my one day will exist 10 years down the road, maybe children. Um, and if... If it was thrown on again in my adult life, I probably wouldn't mind it too much. Also, I love an hour and 20 minute movie. I just love it. I think, you know, they're great. Um, So I was considering, yeah, I was like, how does it compare to Destroy All Monsters? That's, or sorry, All Monsters Attack. That's still probably maybe even one level higher for me. I'll have to maybe rewatch Then and Compare. But yeah, I'll probably, Purgatory doesn't feel right for it. So I'd say Heaven as well. (laughs) Yeah, uh, All Monsters Attack definitely the better movie. <laughs> but yeah. that I would said, disagree. Uh, this, all right, well, if you're gonna disagree, yeah. go with go in. Sam. Okay, so I've Ryan, you've called me out for going on a rant a couple times before e- each one of these '90s uh, Godzillas we've talked about, where I've kind of said like some of these start out kind of janky, and and I have hopes that they'll be like just janky but like crazy and full of ideas and and just like fun bad movies Mm -hmm. um but but not when i say bad i mean like poorly made but but have their they they rest on their own sort of like fun crazy entertainment uh and this is the movie i've been waiting for i kept calling out each one of these i was like yeah it was like it was badly made but it wasn't full of life and crazy and constantly like weirdly entertaining this is it. This is the one I've been waiting for. It's the best of that. It's better than any of the Godzilla movies that I would put in that camp. 
I like it more than any of the like any any of the like so bad it's good Godzilla's this this blows them all out of the water and, and it's not even close like it, it's the movie I've been waiting for absolute guaranteed heaven not even a question it's not not even close like that's that's I felt so strongly I, I really enjoyed this wow Fiona take us home I mean I I feel like it's all been said. Um, it was a joy, you know. We'll for sure be uh, sitting the, the the hypothetical future children down to watch this. I mean, can you think of anything more delightful than a giant paper mache turtle flying through space? I can't. I can't think of anything better than that. Um, and donuts that appear out of thin air. Oh, um, I mean, amazing. Nothing could be better. Yeah, I think it was it was delightful. It's uh, my my first, so I'm glad I'm starting on a high note. Um, <laughs> heaven, heaven. Yeah. Wow! All, All right. Lines. That doesn't happen often. Clean no. sweep. Sweet. You gotta you gotta use the effect, Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Woo! Camera, camera. Perfect. <laughs> Moving on to the synopsis for Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. All right. Shake off the kitty film. <laughs> All right. A nuclear ship is nearly capsized by a strange floating atoll, leading the Japanese government to send a team to study the anomaly. Meanwhile, rumors of large, unusual birds on the Goto Archipelago prompt another investigation team to be sent out. Dr. Kusanagi leads the team to the atoll, including Marine Officer Yonemori. When the bird investigation team doesn't come back, Police Inspector Osako asks ornithologist Dr. Nagamine to help him go looking for them. Nagamine finds human remains in giant bird pellets and is subsequently attacked by a giant bird-like creature. Thank you. Uh, she pressures Osako into helping her lure it away from other villages, but they soon discover the creature is just one of three. <gasps> oh no. Meanwhile, Yonomori and Kusanagi find the atoll covered with strange metal beads and a tablet covered in runes. Soon after excavating the tablet, it collapses, and the entire atoll is revealed to be the shell of a giant turtle monster. <gasps> Who's that? Dr. Kusanagi translates the runes and believes the monster was once known as the protective creature Gamera. Yonomori also gives Kusanagi's teenage daughter Asagi one of the beads. Nagamine helps, agrees to help the government capture the bird-like creatures, which the runes called Gaios. I don't know if she agrees more was like pretty forced in that <laughs> True. Yeah, I guess she was like, it's better than just letting them go free. She was like, let's not. And they were like, we will do it. You will help us. Um, but yes, her plan to entrap the beasts in the Fukuoka Dome seems to work until Gamera arrives and attacks the Gaios. Gamera kills one, but the other two are able to get away in the chaos. 
Angry at the destruction Gamera caused, the government prioritizes attacking him. Later, Gamera saves our heroes from a much larger Gaius, convincing them that he is a force of good. The final Gaius escapes, however, and Asagi realizes that her bead has given her a psychic connection to Gamera that forces them to share wounds. She is that was a good sound effect, Joanne. <laughs> yeah, that's Asagi coughing after she just yeah. got... I was going to say something we've seen before, hmm? psychic connection, but... <laughs> Uh, she is compelled to follow Gamera to Mount Fuji, where he is ambushed by both the military and Gaius. As Gamera is wounded, Asagi mumbles that they must rest and falls into a coma. Unopposed, the last Gaius grows as large as Gamera and rampages through Tokyo. It creates a nest in Tokyo Tower and manages to lay eggs. Dr. Nagamine theorizes that the Gaios are perfect predators and can only be stopped by Gamera. Fortunately, Asagi and Gamera awaken. Insisting <laughs> she witness the battle so her soul can empower Gamera, Asagi joins her father, Nagamine, and Yonomori in a helicopter. They follow Gamera as he destroys the nest and eggs and battles Gaios into space and back. Gaius manages to entrap Gamera in an oil refinery explosion, but Asagi uses her spiritual power to allow Gamera to absorb the energy and kill Gaius once and for all. Gamera returns the favor by healing Asagi's wounds, promising to return if humanity needs him, and then severing his bond with Asagi so she will suffer no more. And then he heads off into the sea, like uh, the ending of every movie. <laughs> uh, yep, so that is Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Ryan, I want to say that was a very good synopsis. You know, there was a lot going on. There was. Good work. That was a tough one, so thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. The director, Shushuke Kaniko is uh one of my favorites he's like a big kaiju fan and we haven't gotten to the one godzilla movie he did but uh, it's it's honestly one of my favorites but yeah this was him cutting his teeth on the kaiju genre mm -hmm. uh so what uh let's let's dig into the characters um i love dr nagamine i will say probably like the main uh plot point going or main point going for this film is that I feel like you know we had a lot more female lead uh just more female leads than we've seen <laughs> we typically I, see there were two of them I was like this is crazy there are two female leads what <laughs> yeah I have written down love seeing women in stem so <laughs> that was my first impression to the movie's credit it's something I said about the last one that I feel applies to this also. Not deep characters, but characters that I feel are fun and interesting and alive. I, I buy that they are all living and breathing and not just people who say stuff. I like how Dr. Nagabine is like very like firm. Like If she disagrees with something, she's going to say it. She's going to like show how professional she is. She wants to... Yeah. Like, save the villagers when the cowardly cop wants to give up on them all that she's, all that is cool she's she's pretty fearless and when at one point the like head of the you know environment cabinet or whatever 
when they're at the baseball stadium and and he's like, hope it works. It better work. And she's like, excuse me. You're the one demanding this under these crazy circumstances. I'm doing my best. So yep. I appreciated that. <laughs> that was moment. That stood out to me, too. That was great. Yeah. And I always love a gal in some, like, hiking clothes in a backpack. Like, there was one point they were on the island, and the guy was totally unprepared in, like, a suit. But she she was ready to rock. She was ready to be in Jurassic Park or this movie. And I loved well, it. Yeah, well, when she was digging through the the sludge, like, to find the the human remains, that was, like, the exact scene where Lord Dern in Jurassic Park is digging through dinosaur feces. I was like, this, the parallels are uncanny. (laughs) Yeah. I was really hoping she would pull out, like, a bone, though, like a skull. For some reason, that's what I remember it happening. But, no, they just get the, the pen and the glasses. They didn't... Uh, which makes it all the more surprising when she finds that horrible nest of the the baby Gaius that ate each other. Similar to the other one, uh, surprisingly violent at times, which I was here for, but it didn't it didn't pull its punches. Yeah. Oh my god! When the dog got ripped off the roof <laughs> and yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, I mean, I was screaming. <laughs> that was awesome. That was, that was so nabbed. sad. That was a really dark moment. (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, weirdly thrilling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or am I just evil? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm with you on that. My wife might disagree, though. Uh, That's a dog lover. Um, The helicopter, quote-unquote, fight with Gaius is great. I feel like, I mean, I'm... So in my hand, but Kaneko is is a great director. I think like just like the visuals of this movie, like how the different action scenes are put together, is great. Now now the scripts, but the direction oh, I'll, I'll stay. It's by. funny, Ryan. I'm I thought the script was good, actually, and I also thought I thoroughly agree that the direction is really good. It was, I would say, if four of the ones we've seen, I'd say the direction was kind of exceptional. I thought that. Like I, it's just it's just he he knows how to even the dramatic scenes he knows how to how to stage a dramatic scene and you know you get when like the the part that like stood out to me is like the although I think this is true of a lot of the movie is like when the the train of of jocks gets eaten when when Gios straight up eats a bunch of kids which to the script's credit uh is a great way of showing that Gamera protects the children mm-hmm. because the moment Gamera's gone. Children get fucking eaten, and that's <laughs> awesome. Like it's so good. It was very. I was very like emotionally moved by that. Um, like they never say. They never sing a song about how he protects the kids. But he, he protects <laughs> the kids. Which is the only missing piece from the. You're, you're not <laughs> wrong. Uh, the <laughs> but then, but then you cut to the war room or the you know the command room where they're commanding the military. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And our two main characters are like slumped against the back wall of the room and we kind of find them and the camera kind of pushes in on them like as they're talking about the next thing and you get by the staging how they feel how they feel in relation to all the military people who that doesn't bother and they're just saying stuff about what we should do next and i was like that's that's good directing that's that's just a step it's just a step better directing it's not spielberg level good directing but it's like it's a step better than than what often i think these movies have been so i i'm a fan as well i think he's of the uh, this had more moments like that that stood out to me than any of the others we've watched 
That's a that's a good point. I didn't even notice that, but you are you're absolutely right. Um, but jumping back to the characters, I guess this is like this is my issue with the script. Let's dive into Asagi. I wish they did a better job of explaining exactly what the connection with Gamera is. Like, yeah, I was gonna yes. ask, like, am how I... does she help him? Right, just because she gets this rock, I feel like there's like something we need. More. I think it's just like literally the bead, right? Like that's what connects her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it feels like we need something more about her. Oh, yeah. You, you weren't able to suspend your disbelief that it was the, the bead <laughs> that was cosmically and spiritually linking her to the giant flying turtle. Is that what you're saying, Joanna? You need a little more, a little more hard science to back it up. Well, well, it wasn't even it wasn't even thoroughly consistent either. Uh, like she gets every time Gamera gets cut, she gets cut, which that's clear. But Gamera also gets dropped about like 200 feet at one point and lands in a giant, you know, smoky heap on the ground. And like she doesn't just suddenly crumple like a crash test sedan. (laughs) Right. When when he's set on fire, she's not she doesn't get like third degree burns all over her body. It's it's weird. Like you're left to kind of like guess like, okay, maybe she like helps him survive some of these wounds maybe by being nearby she can help like coach him but it's never like quite explicit enough what help she's giving <laughs> that right. that's worth her yes. suffering all this i was just say that's that's the weakest part of the script yeah i i would say i think everything else i thought was very yeah i i, I think so too it yeah, I loved it. Just we were just in, just scene after scene after scene after scene. We just get the point of them and we're out. It was just like, it was a movie. It was a movie. <laughs> well, I also liked a lot of the like random details they threw in. Like when they're at the market, they're like, they're like, oh, no red snapper today, and they're like, no, because all the fish have left the I ocean. Love that. I mm-hmm. was like, they're acknowledging the supply chain issues. They're giving us sort of a zoomed out <laughs> the effects that this is having on on the economy and. I loved that the woman was negotiating. She was like, isn't this red snapper a little pricey? She's like, well, we're getting a pinch on the supply chain due to the giant (laughs) monster floating around in the ocean. Yeah, I thought that was great. And then her little kid, like, attacking all the packaged fish. (laughs) The shopkeeper being so fed up. I wrote down, that was the best part of the movie. That was the most authentic performance. That is a child. Like, that's that's how a child acts, and that's how a child is taken out of the building, still acting that same exact way. (laughs) They are not the somber kids from the first uh, Gamera film. And then, who was the kind of, like, goofier sidekick of... Helping like, uh, Dr. Nakamura. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's, he's great. He appears in all three of the Gamera Trilogy movies, and he's a funny guy. I think in general, though, for me, again, Sam is clearly very excited. This was a movie that started, and I was like, okay, once again, a lot of characters. I don't think they were nearly as fleshed out or strong as, as the first one. I think they were, you know, still a little bland, but... I think there were just too many characters. Well, this is this is nothing compared to a lot of these Godzilla movies. Oh, yeah, really? I was gonna say, but yeah, yeah wow. I didn't think so. I, I relative to the other to the Godzilla movies, I felt like this was like a cast of basically four main people that we, mm-hmm. you know, again, kind of know. Yeah, like I, I get it. I mean, I, I gotta hear you, but mm-hmm. this is. I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm showing my hand, but I thought that this was like doing a Godzilla movie, simple Godzilla movie structure, but 
uh, better. really well. Yeah, better. Better than most. Yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, I see what you mean. You don't get a lot of their inner life, and they're all relatively humorless. Or their background. Yeah, that's maybe it. They're, like, pretty humorless, which is a key... We know a key... A key. Yeah. importance factor i mean but, to be fair but, they are living in unprecedented times you know there's not true. much to joke that's about true. when your whole civilization is under threat yeah and they're in stem you know they're not trying to be entertainers yeah they're anymore. scientists no they're very serious they're, trying to be they're like plucky young scientists yeah yes but they also were as sam said believable and you saw yeah, they were. that they had like their own preferences their different responses to stress so they were they had some rounding in that regard <laughs> Yeah, not true. not deep but round. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that uh, that's how I felt with um, with all the characters in this. Again, I, I just I, these two based on these two Gamera movies, I felt if if not characters to be yeah like profound, I I did just feel like people were acting in ways that I enjoyed watching them behave, <laughs> which is like a really weird way to put it, but like. Similar, the, the, an, an example of it is when the uh, is when the, the little girl go like hops in a taxi and is like drive me to the to the base of Mount Fiji or Fuji, and he's like no, and she's like please, and you know she pleads with him and he goes, and you're like you know okay sure I mean like it was good it was good because like, we just got to see her really want something and that's you know solid, and then he drives through the barricade and immediately I was like. Oh, why in the why did he do that? Like that's so. And then and then basically there's just a line where he's like, "I always wanted to do that," and I'm just like, <laughs> "Just again, it's just people." There's that was just that was just an excuse to get him through the barricade, you know, from a writing perspective. But like, it's just people doing things. They're justifying it in just the way that like people are people, and they just do stuff. Right. I mean, they do stuff for reasons, and and that's a fun reason for him to do it. And I yeah. and I just like again, it just felt it just felt like a little more alive. Than most, I don't. I don't need them to be like quipping around and being fun guys. I just need to like <laughs> be like yeah, they're good. You know, all right, yeah. Like I, I buy it. I just felt like it, there was like life to to everything in this. <laughs> um, do you want to know another big step forward for women in kaiju movies? That this, of course. Uh, we have the first female monster actor. Whoa! Wow. Welcome to the party, <laughs> Big Mama Gaia's had a had a lady in wow. wow that's amazing <laughs> yeah. i love that for her <laughs> which is my uh, transition to to gaios uh which yep i love the ugly rattiness of the oh so haggard <laughs> the ugliest ugliest face i mean unbelievable and when they're babies <laughs> they have like those cookie monster eyeballs that are like rolling everywhere all the time it's so, yep. so funny but horrifying at the same time uh, another great line related to the Gaios is when the environmental minister, who's also great, by the way, that slimy minister, yeah. he's like, there's so few of them. They're rarer than the Japanese ibis. And then uh, Dr. Nagamine, I think, says the, the ibis doesn't eat people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing him back down to earth. Well, I did like also like it's all so uh, like fantastical. And then you have these like really like down to earth like bureaucratic moments like when the military is like we absolutely cannot fire a shot it's against the law they must fire a shot first right right and it's like oh my god we're really getting stuck in the weeds of bureaucracy here 
yeah, the, the difference is that that was a that was like a moment. I feel like we get stuck in entire scenes of bureaucracy in your your some of your Godzilla movies. Like there will just be a whole scene where we're just talking about plans, plans. Ooh, and, and Sam, bringing the hate. I, <laughs> I am bringing the hate. This this is this this whole time. I'm so sorry. I don't mean to just make this a moment to hate on like your average Godzilla movie, but like. Watching this, I was like, like, like again, this isn't like my favorite movie ever. It's not even a perfect. It's not a perfect movie. It's not even necessarily a great movie. But I was like, boy, I mean, I'm really enjoying this. This is a movie that's just fun, and it just gets it. And its own story like stands on its own as like things are internally supported. It's not just like a hodgepodge of stuff stuff thrown together and people talking for inordinate amounts of times about blah 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 blah. You know, like <laughs> and <laughs> and like. And I was like, I'm really enjoying this. I'm. I just don't get why. I don't get why we can't do that. Makes you know, just just do kind of some of this stuff in in just your average Godzilla movies. There there are good ones, but just like why why do we keep falling into the same traps? Like, is it that Godzilla movies like rest on their own laurels too much, and they're like, <laughs> we have Godzilla, so we don't we don't need our own. Our, our story can just be a bunch of elements that got pulled out of a hat and glued together. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to dispute this. I think this movie is better than all but the five or six best Godzilla movies. Uh, wow. It's, wow. Uh, it's, it's up there in, in the kaiju canon. Uh, I guess uh, I'm revealing what I'm going to say during the judgments, but whatever. Yeah, I, I really think this is made by a person who really wanted to make this movie. They're not like assigned by the studio, like here, do you make the next Godzilla movie? <laughs> so I think that like passion to want to do something with the resources available uh, is is what what drives a lot of what makes it work. Yeah, Sam kind of touched on this, but I like how all the monster scenes uh, introduce new information in some way. Like the first fight with Gamera, that's when we learn he does want to protect humans in Fukuoka Dome scene. That's when we learn that he hates the Gaios and is like not going to stop at anything to get them. So there's always like, it's always doing something. They're not just fighting or smashing buildings. There's like some way it changes the story, which is pretty cool. That's true. Yeah, I like that element of it because we sometimes are not fortunate enough to have that. Yeah. <laughs> I do have to say, too, I was a little more like, you know how there's always the whole I feel like Sam has brought this up before that there's like, oh, trap the monster in a hole. Oh, no, it didn't work. What's next? Like it did totally follow that format of like, but I but I thought the stadium had it unique elements tied to it. Um, and the characters were more invested than just kind of some general military people setting bombs up. So, um, and the, the fun slabs of massive slabs of meat. As well. so <laughs> I guess I'll just give a shout out to like, they were totally following the tropes, but they had their own little spin on them, which was nice. Well, yeah. yeah and and th- I mean that this was them capturing them for research and right. based on all the information that they have, they would want to, because they're like a super endangered animal you know that's also killing people but like that thoroughly made sense and it the stadium was a payoff of well one it's just a fun thing that that was a you know that's a real thing yeah. and they were like wouldn't that be real of course if you were if you're thinking about a giant monster where would you trap it in real life you trap it in a domed stadium it's just like a thing that works on its own legs it's also a payoff of her discovering that the flashing lights like you know blind and confuse right. the, yeah. the monsters which was done not in a way where they're like 
it is said that lights will blind and enrage them. <laughs> but like she sees it, she gets it, she has a moment, she 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 gets it. We know she gets it. She doesn't say, "Hey, guess what?" It blah 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 blah. You know, like it's yeah. just we just get it, and then it's paid off in a smart way. Um, and then that goes out of control, and then later we have Gamera get kind of like trapped. I, I like him being stuck underwater is more of the equivalent of like when monsters get stuck in a volcano until the third act in some right. of the Godzilla movies. Right. But even that is is like used in the story, you know, again, like showing what the the results of a world where Gamera is not there to protect humans. You know, it, it like it's not just we're holding him there so that we can have some stuff happen so that later we can have him fight the thing that everyone wants to see him fight. Like it was you know, again, the, him being revived by the girl whose spirit tuned to him is maybe not the best. That part doesn't hold up as well. But, like, again, it just, it just, like, it just functioned as a movie from start to finish in a way where I was like, oh, yeah, this is what movies feel like. This is, like, this is, again, this is a movie. I love that that's what Sam's main, but it, it so it was a movie. <laughs> it was a movie. Yeah, yeah. They did it and it was a movie. But that's the thing is that. A lot of the things they put in theaters these days aren't movies. <laughs> no, no. Again, I, I, it sounds like it sounds like me saying this was a movie is like is somehow like diminishing it. But no, it's frankly that puts it above the above par in a lot of ways. Right. Just by right. being a movie. Just for being a movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, once again, it's judgment time. Let's go in reverse order. So, Fiona, kick us off. Yeah, heaven, hell, or purgatory. Okay, well, you know, this one was a little more tough. I think maybe because I watched it right after the first one, which was so joyful. And so I feel like it, like, like, I also didn't know what to expect. I haven't seen any of these movies. For me... I would say purgatory. It didn't quite like I wanted more of like more. I wanted to know more about the characters, like their inner workings and feelings. Um, yeah, like I enjoyed it, but I felt like I didn't get enough depth from the characters. Like I wanted more. I also think that I went into it thinking like, oh, this is thirty years on from the last one. Like we're gonna have like more, oh, more yeah. of a tie back. Like I thought it was like supposed to be like, a, remember okay. when we did this? Now thirty years later. Like I think that was just something I came up with in my head, and it was never intended to be that. Yeah, like I, I wanted to see Tom thirty years later. I, I like he's gone <laughs> on to like be like an astronomer or something. I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, maybe that was just like I set myself up for failure. But for me, I think I'm gonna say purgatory. Like I still enjoyed it, but it didn't have the same like surprise and delight factor that the first one did. So maybe I just should watch stick to kid movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, am, am I next? Yes, you are. No, I I happen to basically agree with you in that, like, I thought it was pretty good with great parts like i don't think it's not like a movie that i would be like favorite movie ever however i'm being forced to watch a million kaiju movies by Ryan. <laughs> and and this this was to, to me so clearly head and shoulders over most of them that and and was like again solidly made i got what it was doing throughout 
Uh, and I would say heaven for that reason. Uh, and I would, I would go so far as to say that if these were Godzilla movies, if these were just we just put these in the Godzilla canon, both would be in my personal top five. Whoa! Yeah. Strong yeah, I, words I, coming from Sam. Holy I shit! I think this is this this isn't the host. Like it's not as good as like the right. best giant monster movie I've seen, but it is like inherently stronger. I think than like I, it's probably it's not as good as the original Godzilla, but there's an argument for it being more solid than any of the others to me. Like I think I think it isn't an argument for number two, and I, I don't know that I can say it for sure, but but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it and I liked it, and I really enjoyed the other as like a crazy bad one, and so both top five for me. <laughs> crazy Fair bad? Enough. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's controversial. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I might just be a little desensitized now to being like okay we're on a boat and there's the scientists and there's the government and we're gonna have a lot of people fighting and um i think for me i i liked the um what are they called again the bird guys i liked the guy i was in this i love their look i agree with you sam that some of the directing was good but um not good but was was like very good comparatively to some other films but um uh I think for me yeah personally because I do just lean so much on this preference of kookiness and prefer that um even when you're saying like oh these are in my top five I feel like when I think back on the 60s ones of you know that one where there's that trio on the island and they're just like goofing around getting stuff done that's definitely more my vibe and and speed of the ones I prefer so I think for me this one falls into purgatory. There wasn't enough there with the directors or the characters to really make me leave and be like, wow, those were fully differentiated than something I've ever seen before, and they can take the gold medal. Um, but I don't think it was hell by any means. So, yeah, purgatory for me. You've all pretty much said it all. This is definitely a flawed movie, uh, but I think it uh, stands out in the kaiju canon as as definitely one of the better uh movies that have been made and uh like i said i love this director he's maybe my favorite giant monster movie director and even if we don't get the most depth with the characters they're not the most fun characters i like them uh and that's that's a, that's a thumbs up <laughs> as far as these movies yeah. are concerned that they have characters to latch on to um and so yeah it is sort of i mean very it's very tropey but within that context i think they did a great job so it's a heaven for me i do wonder too really ryan if you hadn't you know tricked us into watching this such joyful 60s kids movie beforehand if i had just watched it in the context of these other 90s films we'd been watching if it would stand out more but i was just so starstruck by Tom <laughs> and Q's performances that, um, yeah, maybe that that definitely is is putting bias on it too. Maybe I should have yeah, done yeah. it in reverse, so it'd be like right. pulled back the curtains, like this is where this came from. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. You, you set this second one up to fail. This is like <laughs> yeah, fail, really, is what we're trying to say. I honestly did. Camera. <laughs> yeah. No songs. No songs. Not a single song. 
There was like Not some sort of closing pop song. There was. Yeah. As it was a '90s movie, so it had to. Was- <laughs> oh, and I, actually, I didn't. I do want to give a shout out. I loved the ending of him. Felt almost like him sticking that landing from that gymnastics twirl in the first, first film, of him just nodding to her. Yeah. And that was very, very sweet. It was sweet. It was a sweet goodbye. Yeah. Um, I do have a fan message. <gasps> what? Wow. This is a uh, comment on YouTube from What's Playing Tonight. Uh, they said, Love that name. <laughs> they said, hey I've been listening to you guys for a while. I fell off for a bit, but being on the night shift currently is prime time for podcast listening. Ryan is really earnest in his love for the big lizard and gives the podcast a warm feeling. Sam and Joanna bring unique perspectives to the show, and they... <laughs> And they never fail to make me laugh. The guests are all great, too. Looking forward to the next episode. I know they're not great, but these 90s Godzilla movies are the ones I grew up watching the most, so I'm probably more forgiving on them. Godzilla vs. Mothra is definitely a heaven for me. That's the episode he commented on. Thanks for the entertainment. Aw, yay. Thank you for the message. And also, hey, if you took a break, we took a big old break, too. (laughs) Kicked Mm -hmm. off, so that matches us. Yeah, (laughs) if you've survived all three of our hiatuses, bless you. (laughs) I laughed too, Ryan. I feel like when you you said unique perspective in the face, you made had a little sarcasm in it. (laughs) I think I just wanted to get the stank on it. That's how I read it. exactly. I loved that read. I loved that read. Um, no, but thank you for the note. Yes. We always love it. Thank you. What's playing tonight? <laughs> yes, we. I said at the end of last episode that our next episode was going to be Godzilla vs. Destroya, our fifth anniversary show. But we ended up having to shuffle some things around. So that will be our next episode. <laughs> Unless something else goes wrong. <laughs> but we'll do it sometime this year. <laughs> It's coming at you summer 2022. Yes, it'll happen. Uh, so look out for that. Uh, and we'll have some fun announcements when we do that show as well. Uh, so since we started with the Gamera theme, let me go ahead and end with the Gamera theme as, as done on Mystery Science Theater. Ooh, I love these outfits. How does the Gamera theme song stack up against songs from yesteryear? Oh, well, it's interesting that you asked that because the opening lyric of uh, the Gamera song has sort of a Rogers and Hart feel to it. Let me show you what I mean. Gamera. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) This is Fiona's dreams come true. Fiona, we gotta go to Marie's crisis and recommend Who is this man? This dapper man? (laughs) But then the second part is a little more fun. Has sort of a George and Ira Gershwin feel to it. Shell teeth, eyes, claws, scales, (gasps) fun. It sort of sneaks up on you. Boo, it says. I think I'm in love. Gamera's enchantment still grows. Our hearts with love. Gamera's the latest thing. Whoa, he's this guy's going for it. I love the direct to camera. <laughs> Gamera is really neat. He is filled with turtle meat. We all love you, Gamera. 
Kill him. Yeah. Better yet, I'll kill him. You push oh. the button. <laughs> Holy shit. This guy basically gave the level of commitment of when in the Jekyll and Hyde musical, the guy who's playing Jekyll and Hyde is singing so intently, playing both characters. I love his commitment. <laughs> that's Mike Nelson right there. Great performance. In my head, that's 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 Tom grown up. <laughs> <laughs> he becomes a loud singer, regaling people with stories of gamma. <laughs> I love just the cyclical nature of things. You know, it's all gonna come full circle for me to buy it. <laughs> it's all coming back. Oh, uh, well, this was fun, guys. I love Gamera. We love you, Gamera. You are filled with turtle meat. You're just really neat. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Share the podcast with your friends, your family, anybody who loves weird movies, bad movies, sci-fi movies. Um, uh, great movies. Okay, come on, great Ryan. Movies. What, what kind movies. of musicals? What kind of fucking show are musicals you on based here? on movies. Turtle fans. <laughs> based on movies. Uh, <laughs> People who love kids. Thank you so much for being here, Fiona. You were great. Thank you for having me. Honestly, five years was worth the wait. Um, <laughs> It was a joy and a delight and, you know, fun to see what Joanne has been doing every Saturday for the last five years. <laughs> I wish it was every Saturday. <laughs> well, a lot of Saturdays. Or maybe she just tells me whenever she doesn't want to hang out with me. No, 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 I've got a podcast recording. <laughs> Could be. I'll leave you to discuss that off mic. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, and keep spreading the word of Godzilla. Gamera. The word oh, of Gamera. I mean Godzilla. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Godzilla Evangelists is brought to you by me, Ryan Sargent, and my friends, Joanna Brodecki and Sam Schlenker. All our incredible music is composed by Robert Mai, and our wonderful artwork is drawn by Cassidy Stone. This episode was edited by Dylan Jones. Special thanks to our families, friends, and the wonderful artists who made the movies we talked about today. Godzilla Evangelists is a satirical, critical work not affiliated or endorsed by Toho, Legendary Pictures, or anyone behind the Godzilla series. Visit our website at GodzillaEvangelists.com. We're also on Twitter at GodzillaCast and Instagram at GodzillaEvangelists. If you prefer to listen to us online, we have a YouTube channel. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you join us next episode. In the meantime, keep spreading the word of Godzilla.